Welcome to One Decent Pastor, a weekly podcast of The Door located in Central Oregon, where three completely average guys join forces to make One Decent Pastor and to discuss, discover, and promote all things Bible. Thanks for joining us. Good morning. Morning. Morning, everybody. Welcome. What's up? <laughs> We're enthusiastic right, today. Welcome honestly. to One Decent Pastor. Yeah. We already said that in the intro. That's why I'm not trying to say that again. Right. So, welcome. <laughs> Except for on YouTube. Very confusing. Yeah. Welcome back, Chad. Yeah. Glad to be back on vacation uh, for a week and uh, had a good balance of some adventure and a lot of relaxing. And Como esta? Muy bien, y tu? Bien. Yeah. Yeah, see, si. si, senor. <laughs> how, how do you say zipline in Spanish? I don't know. I, I never learned zipline in Spanish. So did you go on a zipline? You just say "Dónde está zipline?" Dude, he actually went on a zipline. Yeah, you to do yeah. Something. She she talked. We did a couple adventurous things, and she talked me into the zipline thing uh, through the jungle. Which like like ziplining is not my, like I've done it once. I don't need to do it again. But. Um, everything is an adventure in like you don't just show up somewhere in zipline like you get on a boat and you ride you know across the gulf in this jet boat which is an experience in and of itself and then you come to this secluded beach which is like just stinking paradise and then you walk through the jungle you know you take a car ride up up the hill and then you get to the jungle and then you walk through the jungle and you're ziplining like you know 700 800 feet over this the jungle canopy and hang glide over a volcano it's crazy yeah and we, we climbed 44 flights of stairs. You counted them? Yeah. Wow. Well, my, 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 okay. phone, my phone tells me how many okay. stairs, you know, you climb at the end of the steps, you climb at the end of the day. That's crazy. And so, you know, you climb up some stairs, and then you zip line, and then you climb up some stairs, and you zip line again, and you climb up more stairs and zip line again, 44 flights of stairs later, which they don't tell you that in the brochure that you're going to be climbing 44 flights of stairs. Right. <laughs> so it was relaxing, restful, is what you're trying to say. Yeah. yeah. It actually was. Glad to be back, though. Missed everybody. How was that place? Did it, like, exceed your expectations or what? Um, Tropical paradise? Yeah. I mean, gosh, the, the resort area of Puerto Vallarta, like, or Nuevo Vallarta is where we stayed. Uh, there is not a blade of grass that's out of place. I mean, Mexican landscapers, like, uh, muy bueno. <laughs> These guys know what they're doing. <laughs> they do. Um, yeah. It's just, you know, palm trees and, yeah, yeah I mean, it's, it's just super nice. What were the temperatures? No, 85 degrees. You know what they were here? Not too hot. Yeah, I was watching the weather here. Yeah, It's been a weird April. Yeah, it has been a weird April. I mean, we need it, but whatever. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, cool, man. That sounds so, yeah, awesome. Yeah, glad to be back. The, the pictures of the sunsets were muy bueno. Yeah. Yeah, we missed you. Uh, we got through Good Friday and Easter, and uh, we made it to the next week, and we're, we're here to tell about it. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, last week was a little brutal without you. Yeah. But... We were glad you got to get away. Yeah, so yeah, it was we good. got through it fine. So it worked out. What, yeah. what else? We got men's the men's dealio. Yeah, third Tonight, Thursday. Thursday night. Night. What's for dinner? It's a taco bar. I think it's uh, supposed to be a taco. Tacos for a week, man. Taco bar. That's right. I can always eat more tacos. That's what I understand. Yes. Okay. And I believe Paul Clark will be sharing his yeah. testimony. Yeah, so well, sure. right. right. We'll get to hear from him. Right yeah. on. Six Paul o'clock. Clark. Tonight, what you drinking there, fella? Um, cold brew coffee. Where do you go to get that? Starbucks. Right here, the one right here in Starbucks. Yeah. yeah. What do you got over there, Brent? I got nothing. 
Get your bottle there of water. I was wondering where your water was. Yeah, yeah, your hot coffee. So I boycotted Starbucks. I can't. I'm a Christian, so I can't. Disney, Starbucks, <laughs> like forget all that. Target. It's a slippery slope. Yeah, <laughs> this is actually what we're going to talk about today. I was, all I was, the, all I was the, trying to give you kind of a, an assist so that you could. Yeah. <laughs> so I could dunk it? Yeah. I'm too short. I'm yeah. a white man. <laughs> amongst, that was a good amongst, thought, though. Amongst other things. So, yeah. Yeah, we're going to talk about which uh, corporations you should not support today. No. No, we're not. <laughs> support them all. Um, that's why I have my Starbucks cup hidden behind my bottle of water from the view of the camera. Just yeah. for that very yeah. reason. Well, even the Kirkland, I wonder, I wonder how many baddies are working for that company. Actually, I boycotted Costco after they got rid of the Polish sausage. Yeah, that's, that's, that was just the that, worst move in that corporate was history. Well, that's the unforgivable sin, right? Yeah. The yeah. unpardonable sin yeah. is they got rid of the Polish stuff. I still, my brother's a warehouse manager, so I still bother him about that. And he insists that they got rid of them because they were such poor sellers. Nah, your brother's wrong. He still, and he knows these things. And it's like, dude, like this is, you're like part of a conspiracy or something because everybody in my circles like raved about the Polish dog. They went there to yeah. get the Polish dog. And he's like, no, the stats didn't bear that out. I don't know. Still and now they got they got rid of the choppy onions. And that's <laughs> that's gonna do it, dude. That's gonna that's gonna be the fine kill the whole thing. That's the nail in the coffin. If you can't even go right. and get like the regular hot dog and then put the little chopped up onions on right. it, we're done. So, Our relationships so are across the whole thing? I don't eat their. No, it was the relish, right? That's sour. No, they had sauerkraut. Oh, I didn't know that. I don't. I don't. I don't do like sauerkraut. sauerkraut so. The sauerkraut or my Costco Polish dog. Mm-hmm. Oh man. Okay, I'm getting hungry. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Let's jump back. So now I'm I'm like stealing questions from Ask Pastor John because they're so good. So it's like well, we're just gonna steal some of those. So at least we're giving credit where credit's due. Oh yeah, dude. Like yeah. So so there was a pastor who had a program where he was saying, "Hey, send in your questions," and people sent questions in. People actually sent questions uh-huh. in, All and right. then he got wow. to answer them. Uh, but since no one sends questions into us, we're gonna we're creating our own. <laughs> maybe it's we're because, poor borrowing us. Maybe it's because we're not. Maybe it's because no one cares. <laughs> that could be. Maybe it's because no one cares. Yeah, maybe it's not the questions. Is people don't care about the answers. Yeah. <laughs> Where they come from? We want to know the answers, just not from you guys. Right. <laughs> we'll ask Pastor. Jim. Well, I'm, I'm yeah. giving you I'm giving you a good reference now. You can go watch his show and get everything that you've been lacking. So there are good questions on there. There's some really good yeah. questions, and it's on. the same things our people would want to want answers to, I believe, or, or we should hear the answers For to. sure. The first one is not from there. The first one is one that I came up with, and it's because, like, I'm really, I'm, I'm like, working on this, I think, for a nuts and bolts sermon, because I think it's, like, time. Yeah. But it, it is it is interesting to think about. I, I don't know about you guys, but I've heard of more Christians, like, in the last year, two years, three years, moving <coughs> to places for reasons other than I've ever really heard about before and so I, I like it's worth kind of looking at and, and talking about so I guess we should start yeah. with like um, I, I well the question is like where then shall a Christian live like where shall we live are we free to live anywhere which is obviously like yes um, but biblically like do we have like any direction or, or um, any information in the Bible that kind of focuses should play into where we decide to live um, so the first question is when people like decide where to live, what are often the reasons that they, that they, uh, they help them decide that? Well, lately it's politics. Yes. So let's not go there yet. Okay. I'm jumping the gun. <laughs> so like, like when anyone like, cho- like what are some of the other things? I mean, that's, that's obviously, yeah. actually, you know what? Never mind. That's legit. 
We could go affordability. We could go climate. I mean, we could go okay. all kinds of things. School district. School if you district, have kids, yeah. like you're looking at, I remember there's a ton of people and sisters when I was doing chimneys out there. I had a lot of customers out there. Um, almost all of the ones that were families, that was the, the reason why they moved to sisters was because it was like some of the best schools, yeah. I guess. Yeah, so. work opportunities, you know, people obviously yeah. for that. Yeah. Work, business. Yeah. I think there's also, yeah. the, there's the old, uh, you know, pull a geographical kind of a mindset that yeah, uh, things aren't working out well for me here, so I'm going to go and start something new, try try life out over here and see if it gets better. Yeah. I, I, I've seen people for do sure. that over the years. For sure. And none of the, there's really nothing, well, that one's kind of weird, but the other ones we talked about, there's nothing really wrong with those in and of right. themselves. I mean, we have the freedom to, to kind of, you know, look at, Look at those things and go. Okay, these are these are good places for us to go based on you know what these you know this provides us. So, um, should a Christian think the same way? Obviously, they can. Or is there anything that should be added to maybe that list of why we should live where we live? This could go actually two ways. <laughs> I don't think I have ever known very many people that would consider um, you know where they live based on you know a church. For example, mm-hmm. they find a good, you know, Bible teaching, gospel-centered church. You know, that, that doesn't factor into people's, like they'll move somewhere and maybe hope that they find a good church. Sure, right. Or, assume than, that they can. Right. Yeah, assume, yeah assume I think there's, can, an, assu- so there's that an assumption that there's 20 churches and one of them's going to be good. So that's not a, that's not a real concern. Right. You know, we'll find one. Right. I think most people think that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and I think that should be you know more of an important factor than it probably usually is for most people. I must confess, like when we moved down here from Deschutes River Woods, from Bend, like it was just completely uh, fleshly. We weren't thinking spiritually at all. So we had a church we were going to there in Bend, and um, our thing was just that the the place we were living had gotten too crowded, Bend had gotten too crowded, and then we started looking down here, and we were like, oh, there's um, there's less people. There's bike paths in the resort that we can use. We can use all the resort's amenities. There's a river at the end of the uh, of the road that you know the house is on where we can you know go fishing with the kids like all of it was like american dream type stuff and none of it had anything to do and we were you know pretty serious christians at the time but none of it had had to do with like where we're going to fellowship what's that going to do as far as our connections sure. uh, to the church and to people in the church and relationships like it, we didn't even think of that it was all about us like living a better life now um and so like yeah. i think that's yeah. pretty common um you know, we've known people, it's been kind of weird even at times where we had, I can think of one family in particular that just told us this church has changed our life, it's changed our family. Um, they were growing, they were, you know, things were revolutionizing. The, the husband was becoming the spiritual leader of the home. And right. It was really cool. And then a job opportunity came up for them to make more money in a different state. And no conversation, no nothing, just, we're, you know, hey, we're out. And I just remember thinking... I, I don't know, what are you giving up in order to, and what are you mm-hmm. getting, and where is this actually, where is this offer even coming from? It was kind of an odd, I don't know, I'm not saying it was <clears throat> the devil tempting them or something like that, but it just seemed very strange at a time when you're growing and, and spiritually things are revolutionizing in your family. Right. And then, hey, money, yeah. let's go. <laughs> See, bye. Exactly. It was weird. Right, yeah, yeah, because we do seem to prioritize, like, the reasons why we move. You mentioned one right now, which is, I think, bigger than ever. I think it's always kind of been there. Right. But but it's at the forefront. Though, it's yeah. at the forefront now, which is people that think like us, um, especially politically. Right. And so we've got obviously we live in a red state, blue state, you know, country, um, and so we identify, you know, what's what, and uh, just the the kind of laws and legislature and 
um, just society that goes on in those yeah. different colored states. And then we say that's priority, right? Just like money might be priority to move somewhere, that's become priority now to move. The problem is that this has, at least I think it's broad, is that this has crept into the church's thinking as well. And I think this is really right. why I want to talk about this today is because it may seem like it's something we have freedom in, which we do, and that it's not that big of a deal to make that decision and to want to live somewhere where people are like-minded and they hold the same values and the same morals as us. But is there, is there maybe something that's missing from how the Christian should be yeah. thinking? I think of a, uh, a pastor friend of mine, uh, more of an acquaintance, so I wouldn't say that we're real close, but um, you know, decided to move to the Midwest several months back because it's easier to pastor in the Midwest than it is in the Pacific Northwest. Mm-hmm. Like he just kind of got fed up with the political landscape mm-hmm. of things and, and you know, just kind of felt like he was beating his head against a wall with trying to pastor people. So it's like, well, we're going to go somewhere else where it's easier to pastor. Mm-hmm. And, and when I heard about that, I immediately thought of, there's a missionary I know, a guy named Kelly. Um, he and his wife in their retirement years uh, decided that they were going to go on the mission field, and they just said, they asked the question, like, well, where, like, where's the dark spot on the map? Like, where, or where's one of the least reached places in the world that happened to be Cambodia? Huh. And he's like, okay, well, where's the least, least reached place in Cambodia? And just kind of, like, he was asking those kinds of, like, right. where, where's the hardest place, and where's the hardest place in the hardest place? That's where we're going to go. Mm-hmm. And he went there, right, to go to a hard place because he was missionally minded, uh, and that's how they've chosen to spend their retirement years, um, you know, just working hard, you know, for the Lord and, and right. for the gospel. And, and I think that a lot of times we, you know, we just have a backwards mentality in that. Yeah. Because, again, it doesn't seem wrong in and of itself that we're going, okay, where can I, you know, uh, where can my cost of living be better? Where are their school districts good? Where are people, sure. you know, like-minded? But, but at the same time, even though that's not like in and of itself a, a bad thing, it's still a fleshly thing when a Christian sure. has this whole component of a of commission of marching orders that that are spiritual and eternal um, and so um, one of the things I like the more I read my Bible the more that I see that like um, Christians don't run from a fire like they run into one right? <laughs> and, and I know we don't like that and I know we find ways to justify reversing that but like that's the bottom line of what I see with the church and with people that are that are intentional on mission is that we don't run from fires we run into them and and the number one thing i've seen with christians over the last few years moving to different states literally picking up everything they have and uprooting themselves and uprooting their families is to go and 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 run from a fire things are bad here society's bad here the homeless are bad here um you know the progressive you know ideas of the day are bad here we got to get out of here you know and they're running from the fire and and to me it's just looking so backwards and it's becoming like i don't know more of a pandemic to me than anything else is seeing christians think this way and so that's kind of where i'm coming at it there was a guy like a couple years ago we were eating after a sunday service one one day down in lapine and uh it's when we used to eat afterward we used to be able to do that and, uh, <laughs> I, I kind of strolled over there late and got my food and just found a table and sat down. And they were in the middle of this table of people were in a, the middle of a discussion about about how horrible, uh, how horribly uh, liberal and, and all that stuff that organs become in the areas. And so he was talking about moving to Idaho, which is, of course, the Republican promised land. Right. That's where everyone's going right now, or at least one of them. And uh, and I remember him saying right as I was sitting down, I'm going to I'm. 
like it's a matter of time before I move my family over there and get away from these idiots as a Christian, right? And I, I'm thinking of all kinds of things that are going through my head right now as far as responding to this dude and the comment that just came out of his mouth and how horrible it was. But all I could really get out was like, if you move to Idaho, like who's going to share Jesus with these idiots? Like that was the only thing. <laughs> like, and, and, and the whole table, of course, like kind of went silent because it was this whole other right. side that nobody was talking about. You know what I mean? And so um, that's, that's, that's really why I think this matters. I think it should actually probably be something that the church focuses on with their people a little more is um, how we're actually thinking. Um, do we really care about the lost? Do we, do we understand that when we're seeking the lost and on mission intentionally for the lost, that it does mean that we're going to be swimming upstream? Um, yeah. Well, I was going to say there's also um, something that's extremely false in this idea of, you know, like Idaho. If I, once we get to Idaho, you know, then then things are going to be the way they're supposed to be. Right. And it's like, you know what, I've lived, I lived in Idaho most of my life. Maybe not anymore, but for a while. Yeah. Um, it's full of sinners. It's full of people right. that maybe sin differently than the people that are irritating you here in Oregon. Yes. But it's full of sinners, people that need Jesus. Isn't that probably the difference, though? Is that there's sinners that at least think like you? Like they sin the way you do? <laughs> right. And, they, and there's okay. this assumption that I'm going to get there and it's, this is all going to be better. But it's kind of like when, when somebody sends their kid to a, a Christian school to keep them away from the baddies. Yes, you know, that's a great like, example. But they're, they're, you know what Christian <laughs> schools are full of? Sinful kids yep, that, right. are gonna, that are going to corrupt your kid or that your kid's going to corrupt. I mean, that's just the way it works. Yep. And so at some point you have to recognize we are living in a broken world, in a fallen world with sinful people, and we've been called here to be salt and light in the midst of that. And yep. so, you know... Doesn't mean there's not opportunities in Idaho, but going there with the idea that you know Florida or wherever you know all these different places Texas. are going right now. Texas is another one. Lots of California. That, that I'm going to get Texas there, right and and we're going to finally be able to just like kick our feet up and say, you know, ah, we've arrived at the promised land. Right. No, right. that's and it's almost like you're trying to get, you're trying to get to the promised land early. Right. In some right. way, it's, it's kind of a weird idea. Right. Like once we get here, we don't have to worry about this stuff. Our kids will be fine. Our finances will be fine. Our I don't. It's a really weird way to think. It is, and I get the desire. My flesh wants that. I yes. want. I want that. I want that too. But, yes. but it's like that's not what. That's not at all what Jesus has described. You know. Mm-hmm. You, you know. You're going to be outcasts here. You're not going to fit in, and you have a job to do while you're here. And it's not about you. It's about the kingdom. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. It's, it's funny you brought up youth groups because yeah. I saw that with my kids when they started going to like youth groups and being around other groups of Christians kids yeah. is when they started learning a ton of things they, that I was trying to keep them from learning. Right. And then as a youth pastor later on, I, I saw that same thing where it's like, this, this is not like a, uh, this is not a refuge for innocence. Um, yeah. There's, there's just as much, you know, mud in the water here as anywhere else. And, and so we need to realize, I think, and this is a whole other subject. Well, that, at the same time, I want to say we homeschooled our kids for a time. And, yes. and, and I don't feel, I don't regret that. Yeah. Uh, there's probably a time when they do need to be integrated into public schools or, or at, the t- at the time we realized, okay, we prepared them, we've given them this foundation to them, and I felt right about that. Sure. But then there came a point where it's like, okay, we're almost maybe, every parent has to figure that out. I don't regret yeah. homeschooling, and I don't yeah, think my we mindset don't was wrong about that. Um, but I, I think that there's a mentality, you know, as adults where we start to, we're just we're just wrong about the way we're thinking about it mm-hmm. because it's not the promised land, right? And and it isn't going to solve all your problems. You're just going to find different right. different problems, different things. Right. right. So <laughs> obviously, things. part of you know part of the lie is that it won't necessarily solve your problems. The other part of it too is that that's not necessarily how. And you mentioned this too, um, how we're supposed to be thinking, or what God has called how God has called us to live. And so just like a, a brief like a. a a very general fly over the Bible, like we get the first commission that was ever given 
to Adam and Eve was to multiply and fill the earth, right? To be right. fruitful, to spread out, to move out, and to fill the earth. And then, of course, we have Babel, not much, you know, not not too far after that, where they're like, no, we're, we're all digging each other, and we're just going to stay here. We're just going to put roots down here. And so they, they kind of like go against that commission. And, of course, God scatters them in other ways, right? And then you even get to the early church where you have like Pentecost, and you have this huge movement that happens in a concentrated, localized area of Jerusalem. And it would have been easy to say, like, this is awesome. I mean, it, it like, we're, we're going to stick together and because that's what we do. We stick to our own kind. Um, and so what does God do? He brings in the Romans and uh, basically, like, forces these people out by force to to fill the earth and multiply. And so, like, uh, just with the basics of, of what we see in the Bible and, and what God wants and what our tendency is, we should know that um, that we should be aware of, of our, our desire to, to go against where God would have us go. Right. So, At the end of the day, it comes down to, for many people, either your mindset is a consumeristic mindset that says, you know, what's in this for me and what's best for me, or you have a more missional mindset to say, how can I contribute to the mission of God yes. you know, for, for the Christian and the church and the world? Yes. And and I don't, I don't think a lot of people are thinking about that when it comes time to deciding where to live or if they should move or not. It's all purely, you know, consumeristic Things that aren't necessarily bad, like I don't mean that necessarily right. in a negative connotation. I mean, it's good to have a, a stable job, sure. um, you know, where you can make a, a wage that supports your family. It's good to be able to live somewhere, you know, where you can afford to buy a house and where your kids can have a good education. Like, those are good things. Sure. Um, but but also in, in the midst of those things, like, you know, God has called us to, to be on a mission. And, yeah. and I think that's the piece that's missing from a lot of people's mindsets uh, in, in this kind of question. Agreed. Totally agree. I love um, the picture of uh, uh, the Samaritan woman, Jesus at the well, right? And I think even just looking at, at that tells us a lot of how he desires us to be and how we should be, how we should desire to be as sojourners and aliens here is, you know, he went to a lady he wasn't supposed to go to, to in a place that he wasn't supposed to go to to give her something that she didn't deserve. And I think that every Christian should... <clears throat> Should, should seek to have that Samaritan well or Samaritan wells, plural, in their life. Sure. Um, if, if your goal is to get somewhere to where there are no Samaritan wells that you have to access, um, then, you know, because everything's agreeable, then, like, you've taken a wrong turn right. <laughs> in your Bible reading, in your, you know, your theology. God works through that stuff. He moves us around. He works in spite of us. So, yeah. so it's not, this is not some fundamental legalistic type of thing. It's just, it's just a call maybe for us to, uh, to think a little different than a lot of people are thinking right now. There's a lot yeah. of Christians thinking, there's my people over there that think like me, live like me. That's what I want my, myself and my family to be around. So we're all going to go over here. And when you start putting a bunch of elbows together and a bunch of hands together and a bunch of legs together, then you don't have a full body. You know, so um, anyway, any final words on that? I just, I was thinking of, um, this, you know, the story in the Old Testament that basically God says, you know, it says that he gave them what they asked, but he sent leanness to their souls. And I think sometimes we can, we can think we're going to have something better if we can just get over to this place. Right. And maybe God will allow us to do that. Sure. But at the end of the day, we want to be in the center of his will doing what he's asked us to do. And if we're not there... We're not going to be at peace. We're not going to be, right. you know, we're not going to be fulfilled. Right. And so, yeah, you know, even if he's got us in a weird place at a weird time with weird people, but that's where he wants us, that's where we're supposed to be. Yeah. And so trust in that. And, you know, because, again, you might get what you want, but yep. at what cost? So case in point, we moved down here. We're here for a few years. We're kind of living the dream. 
in Sun River like we yeah. thought. And we're using the river and we got a little boat and we go out on the river and we're just like, oh, this is amazing. I can't believe we get to live in this place and do what we do. And it didn't take long, but a few years before God crashed the party and kind of brought me back to, you know, purpose, um, which was he brought us to a church that we weren't expecting to go to down here um, for some necessary time. And then we planted a church because it, it turns out there's a, there's a dark spot in the neighborhood he moved us to. And so, like, yeah, he works in spite of us, and, and he does his thing. You know, he's sovereign. Um, if he wants to stop us from moving somewhere, he can. But a lot of times he'll let us, he'll give us the, the desires of our fleshly heart, and then he'll actually make something different out of it than we ever intended to. So. Well, and I think we're going to kind of move into this topic. But, yeah. but uh, you know, when, when we moved here from Idaho, I didn't want to come here. I told my wife I will never move to Oregon. <laughs> and, uh, and, like, ten months later, here I was. Well, you have a disobedient wife that prayed she behind did. your back. She was prepared. Yeah, she was. She wanted to be with family and stuff. And I didn't want to come to Oregon at all. I loved Idaho. I loved being with, close to my family, the church. I don't like change. Well, was the promised like, land? You know, it was the promised land in Oregon. No, <laughs> Oregon wasn't. I mean, it was. Left of the dial that. over here. It had nothing to do with politics. I, I think it was just my own self-comfort. and. Um, but I remember just committing it to the Lord and saying, Lord, if this is what you want, I'm willing to go. Mm-hmm. And, um, and literally once I yielded to his, his will and started to, you know, the doors began to open, we were living here. And, and I look at what he's done. I mean, seriously, we moved right next door to you and Carrie, uh, started attending <coughs> Bible studies on Friday. I mean, I wouldn't be a pastor probably right now if I wouldn't have done this. Right. And so... You know, if I would have gotten Brent's will and, and what I wanted, my life would be very different right now, and I would have missed out on so much. Mm-hmm. And so I'm glad that I was willing to obey, even when I didn't, you know, did something I didn't want to do, yeah. which is kind of the opposite of what we're talking about. But I moved somewhere I didn't want to go, right. and, and God blessed it. Because I remember even the first night in our new home, I remember sitting there on the floor. Our furniture was still in boxes. You know, everything, everything was all in disarray. And I sat down, and I looked at Joy, and I said, I feel more at home hmm. right now than I did at our last house the whole time we were there. I just was, I was where God wanted me to be. Yeah. And that's a great place that's to be. That's a great place right? to be. And that's home. So this yeah. is a perfect segue yeah. into the next question, which actually kind of goes both ways, but you're, you're leading into it well. How does God lead us in daily decisions? So this is obviously a, a great example of maybe something that's a little bigger than a daily decision. Um, I think there are people that, that walk through their life Christians hyper-conscious to like micro decisions, sure, like right. which, which shoe should I put on first uh, type of deal, um, or where should I eat lunch today, um, because they're so hypersensitive to God and everything, which is good. We should, we should be totally conscious to God and everything, but uh, where, where, do you, where do you find that line there in what we should be looking for and how we look for it in, in daily decisions? I think it goes back to you know just this idea of, of a missional mind. You know, does it does it matter which shoe you put on first or what color of shirt you wear? In the grand scheme of things, may, maybe not. Um, you know, does it matter? You know, where you eat lunch, mm-hmm. uh, or even in some bigger decisions about you know should I take this job or right. should I take that job? Should I move here? Should you know, I take that um, job? Yep. You know, at the end of the day, like you know, can can you can you serve God and can you engage in the mission of God in this job or that job or mm-hmm. can more so in this one over that one or or whatever. Um, you know, I think we've just got to let just that, that you know the idea that, that God has given us a mission and a purpose that's going to permeate our mindset when it comes to making these daily uh, decisions that maybe are smaller, you know, smaller in scale as to you know moving to this state or that state. Sure, sure. So we have some like an amount of freedom, obviously, in the way that we live, but none of it, dis- none of that freedom disconnected from the reality of a 
of a sovereign God who has a purpose right. for that's, us. That's and a good so, way to put it. Okay. For putting it in a better way. So it's kind of, it's kind of both, right? Um, which I think is the challenge is, yeah. is that it's hard for us to go, okay, well, God's got definite plans and definite purposes and he's, he's determinate, you know, on, on, on so many levels, even micro levels. Um, and so I don't want to miss that. Right. I want to make sure that I'm always in his will. And he's, and because he's so big and powerful, we don't have to look at him that way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> we have like room, you know, we're free to move around the cockpit. You know, type of deal. So, what do you think, Brent? I just think so much of it has to do with with what our ultimate goal is, because you know, if if it's seek first the kingdom of Brent and his desires, then then that's that's what I'm going to live like. Yes. If it's seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, then that's what I'm going to live like. And 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 I just don't see that in, in a lot of people. Most people are they're here for them. They're here for what they can get out of this place. Um, that's kind of the way they're thinking. And so they're trying to align everything with that goal. Sure. And, and they'll even, it's funny because one of the primary ways people try to decide things is to hear from God. Right. And, and coincidentally, his voice sounds a, a remarkably <laughs> like theirs. I yeah, mean, right. It sounds a whole lot like theirs. Yeah. You, know, you yeah. can hardly tell the difference sometimes. Yeah, yeah God yeah. agrees um, with me quite a bit. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, but I mean, I think we, we almost have this, uh, we're autonomous. We have our, you know, this is our life. Sure. This is, we, we think the way the world does a lot in this. And our goal is to get you know have our best life now. And so if that's your sure. mindset and your goal, then yeah, that's that's exactly the way you're going to run your life. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we understand what God's goal is for our lives, um, that He He wants to conform us into the image of His Son for His glory, sure. and we buy into that program, um, and that becomes our goal, it just changes everything. Yeah, it does. So what so what should we focus on when it comes to what we can know? Because you said it like it's not like God is like sh- like writing. Um, like signs, directives in the clouds. You know what I mean? When we're like coming to a crossroads on a decision. And a lot of people live that way. Like, oh, God's going to do some supernatural thing right now. He's going to show right. up somehow, right? And, um, and he's going he's gonna to confirm or, or deny me making this decision, you know? Um, that's silly. I, I've never had that in my life. I mean, yes, I've had weird stuff. If hindsight, I can, I can look back and see how God has arranged things. But, like, he, he doesn't, like do flashing billboards supernaturally typically when I'm trying to figure out what to do. Um, there's only one thing that we really have that is certain, which is the word of God, right? So we, like Psalm uh, 119, verse 105 says, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Um, what, does that lang- what does that language tell us? <laughs> that, that it's our guide. <laughs> that, that it's our guide, will right? guide us. Right? right. And yet the problem is that it doesn't deal with like, every decision that we make or everything that we come across, but there are obviously principles there. And so I, I would I would couple the idea that we do have information here that is the will of God for us. May not be on this level, but it's on sure. this level. Um, and, and he tells us, you know, Jesus tells us, you know, I think you quoted it, Matthew 6, you know, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, as opposed to, in that text, all these other little Peripheral things that create anxieties or create worries or, what do or simply this? what do we do about that? What do we yes. do about this? What do, yeah, well, yeah. Those what things do we do? in Matthew six aren't necessarily little like it's you know food and clothing and things know, that he knows basic, we need basic it's needs, your right? Livelihood. It's, yeah, it's all these. Yeah, little, Chad, those are little things, dude. I haven't eaten in like years, bro. <laughs> yeah, I mean they're in the grand scope of things, there, but yeah, you know, those are right. things that consume our life. You're right. Like we spend our whole lives trying to figure out, okay, how am I going to eat well and, and live well and have clothes and right. you know cars and things like that. Yeah, they are big things, right? But it, but his answer there, Jesus is, seek ye first the kingdom right. of God and His righteousness. So, so He's saying, just keep keep your eyes fixed here instead of you, here. You just pull out a ye, 
hear that? Said I? You, you did. Ye. You said seek ye. No, I didn't. Yeah, you went King James on us. I would never say that. You did. Easy. You did. Easy does it. <laughs> we can play back the video. No, that's all right. Yeah. I, I heard someone play back the video. All right. Yeah, we have two witnesses. I was saying it wasn't a bad thing. It's just like, whoa, where did that come from? So, so we've kind of are said. You to, are you trying to cut him asunder right now? <laughs> kind of, yeah, exactly. Be, you be, you're not beseeching me, are you? <laughs> I beseech thee. If you were to wrap this up, what would you tell somebody as far as like, okay, how do I, how do I, what's a good way, a disposition for a Christian to walk through their daily life, knowing that we can't. We may not have a word from God on a on a micro level of everything, but like we have a word from God at a macro level. How would you? Because we've had this before. We've had people come to us and they're like, "I don't know which job to take right now, right? I don't I don't know which you know direction to go with what's in front of me right now." So, well, I would say one: that God has given us godly people in our lives to, to seek right. counsel from, That's where I was and going. we should you know, and it, maybe it's you know, maybe it's us in, in their lives or maybe it's other people, but maybe but it's make, John Piper. Yeah. To make this <laughs> probably, probably, probably should, um, but to make a decision without getting godly counsel. Um, and I find this way too often, you know, somebody will just say, Hey, we're, we're moving and they've not even talked to nothing. The, and these are big right. decisions. Yeah. You hear about decisions. after the decisions. And again, the, the cool thing about the bigness of God is that, um, you know, it's not like there's this, there's, uh, there used to be a book called decision making in the will of God. It's mm. still probably out there, but it was this idea that God has one, um, exactly. One plan for your life. Right. And if you screw that up, well, he'll he'll come up with another plan, but you've blown it, you know. <laughs> it was like, oh my goodness. And that, that kind of is terrifying to think about because I don't I don't think it's to that degree. Right. You know, well, you didn't marry the guy that the lady God wanted you to marry, so here's plan B, but good luck with that. You know, it's like yeah. really terrifying. And that wasn't the premise of the book, but he laid that out as one possibility. You know, sometimes we might take an off ramp and, and we might get lost in the neighborhood for a while. But eventually, so God's going to get us back on, on, the, on the on-ramp. Sure. I was waiting for you to say, God's also yeah. going to create an on-ramp. Yeah, Wherever there's like, an off-ramp, there's an yeah. on-ramp. Well, but he is going to eventually get us back you know, to where, yes. again, the, God's ultimate goal will be fulfilled. Yeah. But we can do it the easy way, or we can do it the hard exactly. way. Right. And I think a lot of times, we just because we get so much self-focus, you know, so even when we, when we came to Oregon, it's just by way of example, I didn't want to do it. I started praying. I asked God to change my will to match his will. I asked for things to line up the way that, you know, if this is something you want, I will do this, but, you know, you need to help me out. And I actually even did have a supernatural thing kind of happen. I was mm-hmm. listening to a radio program one day, and I, and I, it's one I didn't even listen to. And the guy came on there, and he said, you know, we want, we want it to be spelled out so clearly. Like, we want God to just tell us, you need to move to Oregon. Right. I mean, he said it on the radio, and I thought, okay, this is weird. I mean, there were, there were those kinds of because I, I needed that push. You sure. Know? But, and I don't want to say I put fleece out, because right. I didn't really do that. But, but everything that needed to happen happened so fast and so it was it was right. clear that this was something god was doing and not something i was doing because it was almost it was it was happening against my will right um, you didn't have time to ruin it no and, and so again <laughs> at some point i just yielded to what he wanted and, and it was very clear that that's what was happening but i think that that's you know yeah. if you're seeking his kingdom first and you're seeking his will and his desire for your life so not your own so to me that's yeah. the key is like yeah, that's if yeah. we're actually seeking his kingdom and his righteousness yes. It, mean, it, it implies that we're being trained in it, that we're being immersed in, in knowing him. Yep. And I think that changes our outlook. It changes the way sure. that we look at decisions when they come to us. It changes our will and well, our way, desire. The way we pray, and, the way we listen exactly. to seek counsel. The, right. you know, it's, it's almost a trick, dude. It's almost, it's almost like, you know, he, he, he's, he's, he's changing us on the inside in the way that we approach things. It takes care of itself when we're actually being transformed by righteousness. Right. Right, and the way that we even look at decisions, and what would be good, or even what we would even consider, you know what I mean? Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I think I might just add to what you said, Brick. Because I was going to go the same same direction that you know, godly counsel, but 
you know, there can be this dangerous thing where, like, if you ask enough people, somebody's going to eventually tell me what I want to hear. Sure. Right? <laughs> and, and, and we do that. It's like, okay, well, you, you said something I don't want to hear, so, okay, well, I'll pray about that. And then I'll go with Dave, well, okay, I don't, I'll pray about that. And then someone, okay, this is what I want to hear, and so God must be speaking to that person. Um, you know, that, that's a slippery slope. Yeah. And so yeah. just, you know, would encourage people that, you know, to, to seek God the counsel of people that you know are going to be honest with you and, and aren't going to pull their punches uh, people that aren't going to just tell you what you want to hear. Um, yeah. Well, I think it's it's it's, it's like a, a number of things where you're 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 getting your family together and say we need to pray about this big decision together, and and you're reading the word with that in mind, and you're you're seeking counsel with that in mind. For you know, it's a lot of things. It's not just you're looking for that one thing. Right. Like, Aha! Here now I can get right. what I want. You know, <laughs> right. I mean, you're you're trying to look for. I don't want to say the stars to align, but I mean this idea of like, okay, God is doing something here, and I need to pay attention to it. Right. Um, and then there's always just kind of look at the fruit that comes from these decisions we make because sometimes we right. get it wrong. And so, you know, if you do move to Texas and you get there and you realize I've made, you know, I've made a huge mistake, <laughs> get back on, right. you know, find right. the on ramp again and get back into the where you're supposed to be. Because that's why a lot of Christians yeah. aren't running into the fire though, Brent. It's because yeah. the fruits of it aren't very appealing. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> you're right. I know but what again, you're talking. When about. you get there, you just have leanness. I mean, again, yeah, yeah. it doesn't always mean yeah. it's a feeling. Sure. Right. But you know, when we got here, it became clear that. This was God's will, sure. and, and I was, and, and my sure. obedience paid off. You know, it was like this is awesome. Yeah. Um, it, when when you get someplace and you realize, like, well, this this is terrible. You know, none of none of this makes sense. Yeah. And my family's in disarray. My, right. you know, we don't have a church to go to. Right. Um, none of this. You know, that's where you know, be honest about it. You're kind of like Solomon in Ecclesiastes, yeah. where you try that thing that you think is going to fix you, and then you get there and you're like, yeah, nope, there's nothing here. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yep. So, yep. Yeah, be honest about it. All right. Final question, kind of a fun one, maybe not fun. I don't know. <laughs> I, have my, I have my answer ready. That, that's a pretty what? good setup right there. <laughs> Prince already ready. <laughs> what should a pastor get paid? What should a pastor get paid? Yeah, that's six feet. One million dollars <laughs> <laughs> annually. <laughs> oh, annually. A that's year. Right. <laughs> I looked it up, so I was kind of curious to see what, like, the, the range of the new averages. Salaries. And on salary.com, it says between 78000 and 107000 a change was the. Which I thought, well, that's good to know. But well, that's like United, like United I, States. It, it varies because of, you know, uh, Sure. You know, demographics and, and city versus rural sure. and all those kinds of things. But that was the that was the average that pastors make right now. And of course, there's people wow. that skew the averages on both ends of that, obviously. Mm-hmm. But um, I thought that was a that's interesting. interesting thing to throw out. Yeah. What do you think, Jeff? I've heard metrics in the past that you know, like it would be based on you know, like what does a high school principal make? A pastor should make something close to that. Like I've heard that metric uh, come up, and I have no idea what high school principals make, but that's you know, just heard that. Uh, I've heard metrics of, you know, what's the average uh, salary in your congregation, mm-hmm. which I don't even know how you figure that out, but um, maybe there's you know, demographic data out there. But um, Yeah, so, so those are just a couple of metrics that I've, that I've heard pretty commonly. So I, I guess think that's, um, well, I was going to say, I think that's a good thing to consider. If a pastor is making um, substantially more than, than most of the people that he's pastoring, that's weird. Right. Um, I, I would say. Totally agree. Yeah. So let, let's just go there. Then that was one of the questions: is what do you guys think is a good guide? Because the Bible doesn't answer this, right? right? The Bible makes it clear that the one that labors in the Word is is worthy of honor, double honor. It's speaking obviously of money, but it never tells us what that looks like or how much that is, what a standard is, where the bar is. Right. So, in your guys' opinions, what are some good ways to 
to gauge or measure or come to that conclusion of what a pastor should get paid? Met, let's just talk more metrics. Yeah, you know, I think I think God, godly counsel that we talked about with the previous question, you know, plays into it that, you know, if we as pastors are deciding, you know, what we get paid, mm. it's probably not good. <laughs> you know, not, not a good look. I mean, I mean, even if we were to come amongst ourselves to a reasonable amount. What if we allowed our wives to decide? Right, just not, not a good look, you know, and so... Um, you know, we bring in godly counsel, um, you know, to, to speak into that question. And when it comes time to, you know, adjust the pastoral salary, you know, we're, we're seeking out counsel from other people. Um, yep. So it's not necessarily a metric per se, but probably just a wise yeah, sure. thing to do is to have, you know, other people speak into it. Yeah. No, it is. We don't need metrics. They can be just wisdom. That sounds good. <laughs> That's good. I was going to say before we get too far away, uh, none of us make oh. um, the, the bottom average of, of that, the numbers that I threw out there. The do you want to say that louder? Well, we don't. We, none of us make that much. Just <laughs> for what it's worth, um, for, you know, there, there's an aspect that it's never been about the money. You mean yeah. the average? The, 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 the yeah. bottom average was 78. The top yeah. average was 107. Yeah, no, 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 and, sir. and none of us yeah. are at the bottom. Average. And, and we're blessed. And, and we're not. We're not complaining yeah, it's about all that. Good. Just, just, <laughs> yeah. just to give you perspective, you know, we're all underneath that. Yeah. Um, I was thinking of like even what what churches do use to decide. Mm-hmm. Very often, the metrics that they would use, and it's usually stuff like um, the size of the church. Um, attendance, whether or not a church is growing, like if it's not growing, then, you know, but if it is growing, then, you know, those kinds of things are how effective a, a, a pastor is, how, how important he is to the, sure. you know, the, the, the cog in the wheel, you know, mm-hmm. if he's really an important cog or if he's really funny or if he's really whatever it is, you know, then, then he should, he should get more. And then of course, education, if they're bona fide mm-hmm. and have the proper amount of education, then they deserve yeah. to be paid well. Right. And those are what I think a lot of churches use. I agree. Sure. Um, that makes sense. So <laughs> the thing in common with all those characteristics you just mentioned is it's it's kind of a big business type model rather than kind of a, a Christianly one. Like it's very corporate. The church yes. has become very <clears throat> corporate and adopted very corporate um, like markers for how they pay people. Um, and even who they pay. <laughs> yeah. And, and I, I think that's maybe one of the biggest bummers is that there's just a, a kind of a perversion. It doesn't mean there's, it's never bad to, to take something that the, the world does, uh, whether it's something that's been used in business or something like that, and go, oh, that, that completely can apply over here. Let's go ahead and use that. Right? Sure. But it seems like that's become the standard, even to the point of you know, education and stuff. Like That's how we do it in the real world. It's the person most educated. It's the person who's most qualified, which means it's the person that gets paid the most. And so, yeah, we've kind of just followed along, it seems, with the way that, that the world does these things and well, just called it good. Yeah. And some of those things are actually things to, to, to that we should consider. Totally. And, you know, if the church is just, you know, plummeting, you know, and, and the tip right. is dropping, well, maybe maybe it's time to look at this. And maybe it's time to take homies jet away. <laughs> right, <yeah>. right. <laughs> but I think sometimes a better question We don't have jets, by the way. So a better question to think, you know, in regards to, you know, it's like how, how much does a pastor need to make? Um and that is a, is a better question. Is a better yeah. question, and like, how much can he make? But yeah. I mean, what is what? What are his needs right now? Yeah, um, that seems like a really reasonable question to sure. ask. Yeah, and I think we've done that. That's kind of where we've arrived at what we've arrived at over the years, sure. uh, because we started out as with no pay. Right. Uh, we were working regular jobs, and we didn't have that. And you Chad is still working still, regular still jobs, still bivocational. And as the church grew, and as the need arose, um, you know, then we we started to adjust those things. Sure. But it, it really, you know, the, the factor was what, what, what are your bills and what do we need, you know, what do you need to be able to make so that you can do this full time? That had to be answered. Well, we do need to be able to live in the area that we're ministering in. Right. And right. so you are taking into account, obviously, cost of living. And that's where it can vary. You know, you can have Tim Keller that lives in Manhattan 
right? Right. <laughs> um, which is pretty unique. And then some dude that lives, you know, in, in Paisley, Oregon, that's right. a, you know, population of 42 people, you know what I mean? And, and it's like, yeah, their salary probably shouldn't look the same just because right. of cost of living and right. what's needed in order to live in those areas. And so obviously that's something that's wise and that makes sense to, to look but at. But it, it should be set yeah. up in a way that the pastor doesn't have to go out and find three jobs. Agreed. In order to, you know, uh, if, 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 if he's full-time, I mean, uh, you know, right now you've got two jobs, <laughs> effectively, so I know, right. you know, but, but uh, you know, right now you, you don't want to make it to where, you know, maybe his wife, you know, especially if they've got young kids, has to go out and find a job or that, you know, so totally. so make it doable to where he can do this effectively yeah. if it's possible. I but love, again, yeah. but don't get crazy. Don't get <laughs> crazy. So I, I love what John, John Piper's he has a quote that says, churches should not want to keep their pastors poor or make them rich. Yeah. And, and it's just like, now obviously there's a lot of room in between those bookends, but like that's a pretty good rule. Like you shouldn't want to have that your pastor and their family poor, but you also don't want to give them so much that um, it becomes their demise right. or the church's yeah. demise. Um, so it should be reasonable. Yeah. I like what you said earlier about even the demographic, I think, should come into play right. determining that. Who are, who are primarily... Who's primarily the demographic that makes up your church that you're ministering to? What do their lives look like? What kind of jobs do they have? What kind of? Because I, I would always want to be like right where they are. Right. I wouldn't want to be right. really above where they are. The funny thing so. is that that's what a lot of people when they pick a place to plant a church. Yes, they plant with that in totally. mind. Totally. Like let's go yeah. up to the top of the hill totally. or where everybody's making right. three hundred thousand. <laughs> yeah. And I don't think it's so that they can get that salary so much, but right. it's like. We got a fighting chance to be a successful. Church. Well, you know, there's, there's gonna, sure. you know that demographic's going to have deeper pockets, right? right? And so, like, it, it all follows yeah. itself, right? I, I think the other <clears throat> the other side of this coin that we're talking about too is from the perspective of, of the pastor. Mm-hmm. Like, like I know that you guys are guys like you can't not do this, and right. you know, if, if there was an adjustment in your guys' salary that were to happen tomorrow. Um, you know, you guys would be, you know, full force still doing everything. We'd still be sitting at this table looking stupid. You know, to pastor the church, no, no matter, you know, what, what the pay is. Um, and so I think that's just worth noting as well, is that there's there's got to be this mentality of the person who's called to the ministry. Um, yeah. You know, that like you're going you're gonna to figure it out how to do it no matter what. Sure. So our, our um, context here is a little different because we, do we don't have a senior pastor or a lead pastor, literally. It's a co-equal plurality. Um, I know you went you went on before me, but that wasn't because again, like like Brent's like the head guy. It's you went on because of your job situation. You couldn't go part time. I was able to adjust. My job was a little more seasonal, so I was able to hold out longer. And so you went on first. I followed behind a couple years later. We both annually get the same thing. Right. Um, Chad is just as important and just as much of a pastor here as us, but he's still having to work a job, and that's because he's coming later. And so there's a context and kind of a, a way that it has to develop, you know, sure. where we haven't been able to just bring you there, but we're working on ways to bring you to where we're at. Well, a part and of that depends on the, you know, the, the, the need of the church and what the church can afford. For sure. That, that right. has to also has to well, be factored right. in. And right now, um, you know, the church has shrunk in some ways. So, you know, over the last couple of years, it's, it's rebounding well and things are, I'm not worried about that. But as the church grows and the need grows, um, that will become possible. Sure, the dynamic will change. You know, and so, and the Lord has been good about that. It's been kind of cool to see the way it's worked. You know, my job, my, my company did not want me to go part-time. Yeah. But I was able to do that for a number of years. And then I was able to find a different job where I could do that for, for a while. 
that, that still met the needs and then eventually you know it worked out this way so the way the Lord has worked this out over the years and, and the way that it's come to, to be has been cool and yeah. I know that if we have to go the other direction again for a time and We'll, we'll do that. We'll figure it out. Sure. Um, the, the pay isn't really, it does free us up, which I really do appreciate, but the pay's never been, you know, a thing right. um, for us. That's part of what I love, I mean, obviously, about both of you, is that it, it seriously is not like the thing. And even right. guys that I do love, guys that are godly and I look up to and I respect um, in other churches, whether they're celebrity, well-known guys or, or not, it seems like there's, unfortunately, always this lens that, that we that we look through to money. What does this do financially for me? What does this do financially for the church? And it seems to always be this thing. And I love that that has no place here right. at this church. Lord, we have never ever made decisions or functioned or operated um, with money first. And it's just like it clouds so us. much of what you have to do. If we right. become beholden to money or to, to to you know, and that's that becomes this thing we have to do, yes. then you begin to market the church. You need right. to keep people there at all costs. You need to make sure. I mean, it becomes this machine that needs to be. I don't know. I'm glad we don't have that. I, we we, we operate very simply. We don't have an office. We don't have secretaries. No. We don't have any of this stuff. This big machine to feed. We don't have a lot of staff. People. It's very lean and mean. And if it all you know, goes away tomorrow, we'll, we'll figure it out, the Lord will figure it out for us, we'll, we'll, he'll provide it. And you know, it is yeah. weird sometimes because I, you know, the job I had before, I had good health insurance, I had a good retirement plan. I don't have those things okay, anymore. this is a different subject we're getting into. Well, it is part of the, the <laughs> I know, but it is, it is like even that kind of stuff, we at some point have to trust that the Lord's going to take care of that. Yeah, and, right. Um, it's actually kind of on our list to, to, to consider some of these things because we're, we found... Is. We found that we're not getting younger. We're actually getting older. <laughs> wait, wait, and what? so we're, we're having to start to think <laughs> about these things. And we so and so we have had talks a little bit lately about retirement or even insurance. Well, and the cool thing is that even was spearheaded by somebody outside of this group. That, that said, nice. You know, yeah. we, we won't even need to look into this for you guys. I, I can't state enough how generous the church has Our been. Our people are so, really, um, so awesome. It's been amazing to see. Even even last year, uh, in a lean year, when, when attendance has been declining in some churches and finances have been declining in some churches, we had our best year ever. Yep. Um, just, it's just nuts. Yep. Um, so, yep. you know, at the end of the day, God's taking care of this church well, and he's yep. taking care of us well, and I believe that he's going to continue. Right. For sure. It seems yeah. like there's a lot of churches out there that the mentality, <clears throat> whether intentional or not, the mentality is like, let's, let's get as much as we can for as little as we can, you know, out of our pastor. Sure. Yeah. Um, and definitely we, you know, that's not our church right. at all. It seems like there's a genuine you know, interest on the part of the people to make sure that the pastors are taken care of. And we see that, we notice it, and appreciate it very yeah. much. Good. Yep, cool. Anything you guys want to add to that? That's all I have to say. About there's it. nothing to add to that. That wasn't as weird as I thought it was. No, be. dude. No, I mean, it is a weird question, <laughs> but at the same time, like, you know, it's informational. It's right. Kind of fun to talk about. And I will know. just say that um, we've been talking... A lot about um, our existing bylaws. Uh, we we kind of all tuned into that podcast, "The Rise and Fall of Mars Hill," and we've been kind of thinking about um, trying to find ways to build more accountability into you know we're, we're not a denomination, and so we don't have that oversight. Uh, we definitely have accountability in our lives, but even finding a way to to rethink some of that, and just maybe ask you guys to be pray you know to pray as we figure this out, because we don't want to put ourselves in a situation where we're tempted to do something, or even right. have the ability to do something that would be. Uh, wrong in this sure. regard, right. and and we're pretty serious about it right now. It's yeah. kind of like there are <clears> disgusting <throat> things that happen in, in churches, and, and we don't want to even have an option for those things. So yeah. we're we're kind of rethinking some of that. Well, there'll be more to come on that, but right. as we pray through this and, and look at it, we just 
appreciate you guys praying along with us. Well, praise God, this right here in and of itself takes care of a lot of that. Like in, in the churches that we've seen that happen. Yep. But yeah, even you know having people outside of this, because then this could look like one thing. Um, just to make sure that you know we always got someone looking over our shoulder and keeping right. us honest, which actually we've always had that, yep. but we're, we're, we are trying to find a way to articulate that further for everybody else in, yep. the, in the bylaws. So yeah, just more safeguards and more more accountability in a way that protects uh, us and protects the church. Yeah, so, yep. cool. Definitely. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna pray. Thanks for joining us today, guys. Lord, thank you for uh, just the time that we have together. Thank you for bringing Chad back to us. Thank you that him and Jill had an awesome time. Uh, down there, uh, that it was relaxing and adventurous and exciting, and uh, that they were just able to go and do it. Thanks for allowing that, Lord, and, and thank you for the team that you've, you've given us here. Uh, thank you that we can prop each other up, that we can push each other forward, and, and uh, just in challenge and encourage each other in the faith. Um, I pray that our people would be challenged and encouraged as well by the things we talk about. I pray that they would be uh, informational. Um, that they would be interesting, um, but most of all, that they would be things that are constantly uh, turning their mind and their lives uh, towards you and what you want. And so we, uh, we commit them to you and uh, this church to you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 See you next week. See you next week. Thanks for joining us. Thanks. Thanks for tuning in to One Decent Pastor. If you'd like more information about the church, go to our website at thedoor3r.org.